Hello and welcome to the Enjoy Church podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this message empowers, equips, and helps you become everything God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. We're going to honor the reading of God's Word. In fact, I'm going to ask you to read it with me. We're going to read a a passage of Scripture that's part of a story. And in this story, we're going to discover that David is about to go fight Goliath. But before he fights Goliath, he ends up in the tent of King Saul. And King Saul basically is asking him, why should I let you fight a giant? Why should I put the nation in your hands? And then he says this, and I want to invite every location, wherever you are, those joining us, I want us to read this together out loud. Can we do that? Come on, how many know the word of God is not just meant to be read, it's meant to be spoken? We need to declare it. So let's declare it right now. 1 Samuel 17 verse 34 says this, read it with me. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So can we do this? Close your eyes. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. And I pray that the anointing, which is your favor and your authority, to empower us to fulfill our assignment, Lord, I pray that that would rest upon me as I speak, but it would rest upon each of us to hear and receive. So we open our heart, and we're ready. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout at every location. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I want to talk to you today because here's what David said. David said, King, you got to let me go out and fight this Philistine. Here's why. Because I defeated a bear because God was with me. And I defeated the lion because God was with me. And if he did it before, God can do it again. Somebody say, do it again, God. Come on, somebody say, do it again, God. I'm here to tell you, you might be here, you might be at a different location, and the reality is you're facing some kind of a difficulty, or maybe you finally come out of COVID and you see a little light at the end of the tunnel, but you're not sure how you're going to get there, or maybe you're here and you just got a horrible diagnosis from the doctor, or maybe you're here or something's just shown up with your kids and you're like, what's going on at that school there? Here's what I want you to know. He was faithful yesterday, he's faithful today, he'll be faithful tomorrow, and if he did it before, he can what? He can do it again. So I want to talk to you about do it again. I feel like the Lord wants to stir up your heart to realize that God can do it again. Now some of you say like, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. Now this is new to me and I don't even remember him doing anything before. Listen, God's not constrained by what happened in your past. And just because maybe he hasn't done it for you doesn't mean he hasn't done it for somebody else. He's a big God. He's faithful and he's true and he's powerful. And if he did it before, he can do it again. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in. I'm going to give you three things that I think are involved in this concept so that God will do it again in your family or do it again in your finances or do it again in your dreams and the visions God has put in your heart. And I want to give you the first way that we kind of release this idea of God doing it again. If we want to see God do it again, the first thing we have to do is this, and write it down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Okay, here we go. Ready? Number one, we need to remember who God is. I know it sounds simple, but it's remember who God is. Now, I've got to be honest. As I've gotten older, I've kind of had some senior moments of forgetfulness. If you're a parent, this has probably happened to you, especially the more kids you have and the older you get, you'll have one of your children run in to say something to you, and you're like, uh, Macy, I mean, I mean, Haley, wait, well, I mean, Tanner, I mean, Hudson, Hudson. 
Have you, how many have ever done that? They're like, we're your children. You don't know our name? You know, there's a, there was a movie out years ago called Finding Nemo, and one of the characters was Dory. The adorable fish that had a short-term memory issue. And she just couldn't seem to remember. And can I stop and say that one of the reasons why people aren't seeing the breakout blessings and goodness of God is because they're, they're having spiritual Dory syndrome. They've forgotten that God is Jehovah Jireh who provides for us. They've forgotten that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all of our diseases. They've forgotten the goodness of God. And today, the first step, what happened in the story of David is he, he had a great memory. He said, Saul, listen, God saved me from the bear. And God saved me from the lion. And he's going to save us from Goliath. And some of you today, you need to remember right now, he saw you when you were out in darkness. And he reached down and he grabbed a hold of your heart. And he pulled you out and he saved you. He's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful again. I love what then David goes on to say to Goliath, look what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 45. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and this whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. You see, here's what he, he did. He was remembering who his God was. His God is a rescuer. Can I tell you today, our God is a rescuer. You and I have been rescued from the snares of death and sin. He saved us. He reached down and he changed us. Man, how many are thankful that you've been saved? Every location. Come on, wave at me. Would you wave at me if you're thankful that Jesus saved you? Who is your God? He's a rescuer. Maybe he was thinking about the passage in Isaiah 43, which says, O Israel, the Lord who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you walk through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, how many are thankful we serve a good God? Good preaching, Pastor Jerry. Amen. With you. Malachi, here's what the Lord says. He says, remember this. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Hebrews, he says, Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll end this point with this little story. So, um, I have a son, and I'm kind of bummed that he didn't get to come with me. Originally, I was hoping he could come, but we're having a youth conference, and so they're there doing that right now. His name is Tanner, and, you know, one of the things that I'm blessed on my side of the family is we have a little bit of height. I'm, I'm the shortest of my brothers. All my brothers are like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and I'm about six foot. But we had height, and one of the things that, when I was young, that God, kind of God blessed me in the area with was athletics, and especially in the area of basketball. And so I was a basketball player. God blessed me, and, and when I started playing, um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where God helped me. I worked hard and broke several records, had the, the most points scored of anyone in the history of the school that I was there, and was recruited by in, in uh, the United States 
um, Division I colleges and so on. And so that was kind of my sport. That was the thing I did. And my mom collected over the years all of the newspaper articles and all of the accolades and all the things that had happened. And so my son, over the years, he would see the trophies and he would read through the stuff. But here's the interesting thing. My wife's side of the family, they weren't blessed with height. They were a little bit vertically challenged, if you know what I mean. So unfortunately, my son, who's an amazing guy, um, did not get the height gene. And so he was a little bit, you know, the, what does the Bible say? I mean, the good news is that the Lord's with him because the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, <laughs> even to the end. I don't think he would like that joke very much. But he's not here. He's in America, so I can get away with it. Um, so he wasn't super tall, but one day he came to me when he was in junior high, going into high school, and he said, Dad, I really want to make basketball my sport. And I was kind of like, have you thought that one through? Um, and, but he's like, no, Dad, I really I know I'm not super tall, but you know what? There's guys like Spud Webb that play that are short. And so I'm like, okay, son, if you want to do this, I'm with you. Now, here's the thing is he kind of jumped around different sports growing up. And so he didn't play basketball all the way through. So he was kind of behind in, you know, learning all the fundamentals. And so I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get a, a guy that's a coach in our church who coaches a traveling team. You're going to be on that team. We're going to start practicing every day. And so, you know, it was kind of a cool story of perseverance. He ended up not supposed to be able to make the high school team, and he made the team. It's, it's a cool story. But in the middle of all of it, right when we started, we decided to go out to the park and play some hoops. So we go to the park, and we're just shooting around. He's, you know, he's a little guy. And um, we're shooting around. I'm shooting around. And, and um, there were two guys at the court next to us. And they were like dunking the ball and shooting three-pointers from half court. And they're like high school varsity players. And so I went to get a drink. And as I was getting a drink, my, my son Tanner runs over. He's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, what? He's like, those two guys want to play us. And I said, yes, we're going to play you. And he said, but then I realized, I said, yes. Dad, they're going to kill us. Did you see them? They're good. And I immediately got totally offended. I mean, how many know in the world right now there's a spirit of offense? I picked it up that day. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. What do you mean they're going to kill us? He's like, well, Dad, I'm just learning again, and I'm short and everything. And I'm like, have you forgotten who's on your team? Come on, how many out there still live in the glory days in sports? I'm like, wait a minute. I can play basketball, son. I don't care if I'm 43. Now I'm 54 now. So this was a while ago. I don't care if I'm 43. I may not be able to dunk like I used to, but I can still shoot and I can still play defense. And then he, it was so funny. It was so cool. He looked at me and he goes, oh yeah. (laughs) And can I tell you, we walked back on that court. They thought they were going to destroy us. Two games later, we beat them 11-3 and 11-4. Because I still got it. I still had a little bit. I mean, I didn't have it all. The point point of the story is that he got discouraged because he forgot who was on his team. And you know what? There's so many Christians that have spiritual Dory syndrome, and you're looking at your financial situation and what the economy and the procrastinator, the I can't even say the word. It's jack, jack, uh, jet lag. Okay, there we go. But all the people that are just saying that the economy is going to go south or, or your company is laying people off and you're looking at your financial situation and you know what the enemy's telling you? You're never going to make it. You're always going to be in debt. You're never going to get ahead. But you know what happens? Sometimes we need to go back to that moment and remember who is on our team. 
Elohim, the God who provides, the God who is able, the God who said all things that are impossible with man are possible with God. We need to remember who God is. Somebody say, do it again. Come on, every location, say, do it again. Do it again. Remember who's on your team. Can I tell you something? God hasn't lost a step. He hasn't retired. He's still on the throne. He's still powerful. He still sets the captive free. He still opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessings that you can't even contain. He still rebukes the devourer that tries to steal, rob, and destroy. I serve a God who can do it again. Whew, I got to settle down. Whew, I got to settle down. We got to keep going. Whew, some of you might say, he's an angry elf. He's an angry elf. A little uh, reference to a movie there. Okay. Remember who God is. You ready for number two? Here's number two. Every location, write this down. North, write this down. Repeat what God has done. So number one, we remember who God is, but number two, we repeat what God has done. That's what I love about this story is David, here's what he says. He, 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 in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, he says, when a, a lion and a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now, what a great verse to preach on at a man's conference. I should have picked that one. He said, literally, this bear grabs it in its mouth, and I take a club. And he says, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, oh my. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. If you fast forward to verse 40. Put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. He started out across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now, let me pause right there. When I read this, it was really intriguing to me. Because I thought to myself, and we all know this, how many know that David defeated Goliath with a slingshot? And as I read this, one day it just hit me, if, if he was intended to defeat the, the giant with the slingshot, why in the world would he bring his staff? In fact, I brought a staff today um, all the way from the U.S. I had to carry it on the plane, and uh, I want to show it to you. Thank you so much, Mick. Give it up for Mick. What an awesome brother right there. We, we rode in the cart together, had a great time. This is what maybe David's staff looked like. Now, it's possible that it had the, the crook at the top, all right, but it may not have. And I thought to myself, why would he take this? He was just going to encumber himself. I mean, he had to take the sling, he had to grab the rock, he had to put it in. This was just something extra that was maybe even going to make it more difficult for him to fight in the battle. Why would he carry it into the battle? I'm going to tell you what I, I think is the reason, what, what God said to me. See, what I discovered, and it's kind of interesting, is several years ago, my father, before he passed away, he was a pastor, and he taught on legacy. And he began to talk about the staff, and here's what he, as he researched, studied. He said when, when people had a staff, when a father Abraham or someone in the family, the patriarch, had a staff, they used it not just as a walking stick, but what it was was a living journal. 
In fact, if you look at this staff, and I want all the locations, I don't know if you can see it, those that are joining us online, but I actually have Hebrew signs and symbols that are marked along the staff all the way down. And what would happen is that when the patriarch was, was to die, they didn't throw the stick away. He gifted it to the firstborn so that they would carry the stick. And here's why. Because they would etch into the staff significant moments of God's faithfulness in their family. The point being is that when you go into battle, you don't just need to carry your weapon. You need to carry your testimony. You need to tell the story. You want the enemy to see. You want your co-laborers to see. You want your children to see. Hey, I know we're going through a little bit of a financial hard time, but you got to remember something. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And back in 2024, when Enjoy was just a small church, God showed up and provided a building. And then back in so-and-so year, God showed up and was faithful. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you took time to testify to your children and to testify to each other and tell the stories of the faithfulness of God. You see, you don't just need to remember who your God is. You need to repeat what God has done. Let me show you a really cool verse. In fact, this verse is at the end of the Bible, and it's one of the verses that tell us how you and I walk into heaven with victory. How many of you want to walk into heaven with victory? Look how. Look how. Roman, Revelation twelve eleven. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their, what's the word? Oh, that's a little weak. Come on. The word of their what? It's interesting because I I heard a pastor preach on this verse and he was telling the story how that a messianic rabbi came to him after the message and said, hey, you, you were talking about testimony today. And he goes, as a, as a Messianic rabbi, I want you to understand what the word testimony means to us as Jewish people. He said the word testimony is an interesting word because he said a lot of times people think that we do things like Passover and have these festivals. And in Passover, we tell the story of how we were delivered from the Egyptians and how that the death angel passed over. And they think that we do it just so that our kids will know our cultural history. He said, but as Hebrews, uh, or as Jewish people who speak Hebrew, when we say the word testimony, here's what we believe. We believe that when you begin to declare what God has done in the past, you release that same power into the present. In fact, he said, you know what we do at our, 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 our church our synagogue is that when people are sick and in the hospital, we decided a few years ago when we began to understand this principle that we weren't just going to send prayer team members to pray for them. We were going to send people who'd experienced God's healing to go into the hospital and tell their story of the faithfulness and the healing power of God. And he said, you know what happened, Pastor? He said, when they would go and visit in the hospital, we started getting reports of people getting healed, people getting changed, people getting transformed. Why? Because the God who did it in the past can do it again If he did it before, come on, somebody say, he can what? It's not too late for your marriage. It's not too late for your dream. If he did it before, can I give this to you guys? Thank you, Mick. He can do it again. I'll end with this, this point, by just sharing. There's a gentleman in our church. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, I just got... 
the diagnosis. I have melanoma cancer, and it's stage four, and there's no hope. Sam Sano. So I said, bro, I'm so sorry you hear that word, but we're going to pray. He said, I know, I know God can heal. And I saw a man who prayed and believed, and he would come up, and he would, we'd pray for him, and his family was praying for him. But the doctors said, hey, there's nothing we can do. We've, we've gone beyond the chemo. We've gone beyond the radiation. There's nothing else we can do. And I'll never forget, after months of prayer and him kind of getting worse, he came to me one day and he said, hey, Pastor, just pray for me because they've decided to put me in this trial stem cell test where I can maybe get, try some treatment that's not available before now. And so they have to go back in and they have to do some scans to see where I am so that after the scans they can see how it's affecting me. So he said, would, would you just pray for me again? And so we laid our hands on him. Now remember, we'd prayed before, but we laid our hands on him and we prayed for him again. He said, Lord, I thank you that by your stripes we're healed. I thank you that you're a Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. I thank you that you promised in Exodus, which says you will bring none of the diseases from the land of Egypt on your people. I just began to speak the word of God and I began to pray for him. He goes in. About a week later, the phone rings. And the phone rings and it's Sam Sano and he's crying on the other side. I'm like, what's going on? What happened? He said, Pastor Jared, I went in to get the scans so I could do the treatment. And they called me back and said, you're not eligible for this anymore. And I said, why? What happened? He said, because we can't find any cancer in your body. It's completely gone. <laughs> and you know what I love about that story is he started serving. He started doing an outreach. And his son, who was far from God, started listening to a podcast of my sermons. Gets saved brings his unsaved wife to church. She gets saved. And now they're the location pastor at one of our locations. Because if he did it before, come on, somebody, our God can do it again. If you've given up all hope, if you don't see a future, if you think it's impossible, I gotta remind you, I tell you the story of Sam. I tell you the story of David. Why? Because somebody today needs to get a little shaking in their mind to remember that God is faithful, that nothing is impossible with him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. With God, all things are possible. If he did it before, tell me what he can do can do it again. Come on, somebody in north say, he can do it again. Amen. Amen. I heard you in faith right now. I heard it. I have a little thing in my ear, and they, they let me hear it right now. Remember who God is. Repeat what he has done, and here's the last thing. You ready? Release the old for something new. Release the old for something new. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 says this. He's talking about this situation. He says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. Everybody say, in every location, say a club. He says, I, I, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Everybody say, a club. Now watch what happens, 37. Then the Lord, who rescued me from the claws of the bear and the lion, will rescue me from this Philistine. So then Saul gives David his armor a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And then he said what I've heard my wife say a thousand times, 
I can't go in these. Any men know what I'm talking about? Or how many of you have had your wife tell you, you can't wear that? Go back in the closet, take off your sweats, and put on your tuxedo. Okay. Sorry, just an interesting little piece of nugget of revelation in the Bible. Just sharing with you. I can't wear this, he protested. I'm not used to them. So David took them off, and now watch what he does. He picks up five smooth stones from the stream, puts them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started out across the valley to fight Goliath, or the the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So now check this out. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a slingshot and a stone. Now, some of you are saying, okay, we knew that part of the story, Pastor Jared. He, he grabbed a sling, took the rock, and he hit him in the forehead, and he, he died. We know that part of the story, but we read it over and over again, but we don't realize the significance. Here's the significance. David had never fought with a rock and a sling. We just read it. He was a club guy. And yet, he fought with a rock and a sling. Because some of us think, that's well, that's what it was. I actually brought a sling. And I brought a rock. I thought this might be a target-rich environment. No, just kidding. Just teasing. Just teasing. Seriously, just teasing. Let me give you the reason why I think that, first of all, God had David use a sling instead of a a club. There were three types of soldiers in that day. One type of soldier was the cavalry. That was people who rode on the horse into battle. There was a second type of soldier. The second type of soldier was swordsmen, and they fought in hand-to-hand combat, which is what Goliath was. And then there were what we call slingers. And slingers were either the ones who slinged the bow and arrow or they slung the rock. Here's what's, cra- here's what's crazy about this. First of all, did you know that, that using a sling is pretty impressive? You can get it going so fast that it will release at the speed of a 9-millimeter pistol. And there's history that tells us, according to Roman history, that there were people that were good enough in the Roman um, military that, they, that says that they could, for 400 meters away, they could hit a target the size of someone's face. So why in the world would God have David, who defeated the bear and the, and the, the lion with a club, why would he have him use a rock? Well, because here's the big point for, for kind of a sub point. If we're going to, you know, let go of the old for something new. See, sometimes things happen in life, and when they happen, here's the reality. When you have a new enemy, you need to have a new weapon. When you have a new enemy, you need a new strategy. 
And I look at the body of Christ. I look at people here in West Campus. I look at people at North and Bendigo or wherever you are joining online. And, and here's the reality. You're struggling in your marriage, but you're still doing the same old thing you always did. You're still clubbing it out. And you're doing what they say insanity can be, which is to do the same thing over and over again and yet expect a different result. And there's some people here that maybe financially you've been struggling and you've, you've listened to the sermon, the little sermonettes about giving. I mean, what an incredible revelation today about how that that one little piece that it's holy and blessed and that when you return it to God, the rest is now holy and blessed. What a great truth. But here's what we say. Well, you know what? I've never tied before and I'm not going to start now. And we continue in our poverty and we continue in our lack because we keep doing the same old thing with the same old strategy. Well, you know what? I'm going to stave and I'm going to save and I'm going to be a good steward and when I get ahead then I'll be generous maybe it's time to switch it up maybe it's time to get a stone instead of a club say okay God I'm going to do it your way new enemy new strategy well our marriage has been terrible for years and we were going to probably just divorce when the kids are out but now they're gone and we got grandkids so it's just easier to stay together it'll always be this bad and So we just kind of go through the same routine, go to church and try to be nice. Maybe it's time to get a counselor. Maybe it's time to go to your pastor and seek wisdom and guidance. Maybe it's time to say, instead of I'm right, I'm sorry. New enemy requires a new strategy. Here's why. And why would David use a sling and a rock? Because here's what, according to, have you ever heard that phrase, drop the rock? I just did it right now. Drop the rock. Thank you so much. And by the way, can I just say for all the locations for you here, I felt prompted, and I, I never hardly ever do this, but I felt prompted this weekend to preach two messages. So next service, I'm going to preach another message than the one I preached right now. Because I feel like the Lord has two things he wants to say to enjoy. And so I'm telling you the first one right now. Here's the deal. You see, according to historians, they believe that because Goliath was a giant, it meant that he had a physical disorder that caused his body to keep growing when others would stop. And one of the side effects of this disease, the blessing was that he was big, he was strong. But the side effect was that he had a sight problem. So he could see close, but he couldn't see far. And had David used a club or a sword, he would have literally walked into a situation where Goliath had never lost a battle before. Why? Because it was really clear. He could see the enemy clear as long as the enemy was close. So he would fight hand-to-hand combat, and he always would win. But maybe God wants to take the advantage away from the enemy and put you in a position where you're at the advantage so that you can see the victory. Maybe what he wants to teach us is that if we'll change strategies now, if you'll be at a distance, the enemy can't see you like he did before. And when the rock comes, he can't move his head. New enemy requires a new strategy. Remember who your God is. Repeat. Can I I give you an assignment? When you go to lunch today, tell some stories to your kids and to your family of the faithfulness of God. 
And it happens to me every week. Just over here when we're singing, I, I speak Jesus. I started going back and thinking of the blessings and the faithfulness and the love of God. Repeat what he has done. And number three, release the old and say, God, I'm going to do something different. I end with this story. There was a group of students from Wheaton College Bible School years and years ago that decided to go to England and do a tour. And as they were on their tour, they decided to visit the home of John Wesley. John Wesley was a great revivalist who brought revival to England and really to the whole world. And so as they were in the house, walking through the house of John Wesley, this great revivalist, they, they, they say that it was just a, this really profound, awesome thing. And they ended up eventually upstairs in his bedroom. And when they're in his bedroom, as they're there talking and the, you know, the tour guide is giving them pieces of information, one of the students says, hey, hey, excuse me, what is that? And everybody looks down next to the bed. And next to the bed are two holes in the carpet. And the tour guide said, oh, I'm glad you asked. He said, this is where John Wesley every day would get on his knees and he would pray. And here's what he would pray. He would say, God, use me to change England and use me to change the world. And everyone was like, wow. And God did. So they finished the tour. Everybody left and went and got in the bus and they're driving away. And as they're driving away, suddenly one of the students says, hey, where's so-and-so? We're missing one of the students. And they start looking around. They count everybody. Okay, count. One, two, three, four. And everybody goes through and they're missing one of the students. They say, he must be back at the house. So they turn the bus around and they drive back to the house. And the teacher says, you guys all stay here. I'm going to go find. And so the, he jumps out of the, the bus, runs into the house, starts walking through the downstairs. And can't. he's like shouting out, hey, and doesn't hear anything. And so then, according to the story, he, he starts to walk up the stairs towards the bedroom. And he says, as soon as I started to walk up the steps, I felt this presence of God just hit me. He said, I walked a little farther. I got to the top and there was the bedroom of John Wesley and the, the door was just cracked and I heard this whispering and it was just like the Holy Spirit was just billowing out of the room. He said, I opened the door and there with his knees in the holes where John Wesley had been was this student on his knees whispering a prayer. And the man said that he walked up behind him quietly and he leaned in and as he leaned in, this is what he heard. The young man's on his knees praying was saying, do it again, God. Do it again, God. You did it before. Do it again, God. He said he let him pray a little while longer, and he said, hey, it's time to go. And according to the story, he said, Billy Graham stood up from his knees. And they walked out of the room. And if you know anything about Billy Graham, he did it again. And he's the same God who did it before. Don't let the devil lie to you to say that it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. If he did it before, he can do it again. So I want to do this right now. I want to invite every location. And I know you're... You're joining us online. Those that are joining us online, would you stretch your hands? And I want everyone in this room just to stretch your hands towards heaven right now. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who cares. You care about our families. You care about the dreams and destinies of our lives. You care about enjoy and this incredible movement, Lord, that is touching this nation. You care, God, about our business. You care about our wayward children. You care, God, about our financial situations. Lord, I just read a verse recently that says you care about the little details of our lives. So, Father, I pray if faith has begun to wane, Lord, if they've been worried or afraid, I pray fill them with fresh faith. Lord, out in North location. God, in Bendigo, right here at the West location, I pray, fill us with faith. God, let us begin to tell your story. Let us remember who is on our team, who has never been defeated. Let us remember that if God is for us, who can be against us? And God, I pray we'd have the courage to do something new if it's required to face a new enemy.